I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Oh, hey, all right, all right. Evan will be proud that I finally got it without making, it was my verb tenses. And anyone knows, I get verb tenses mixed up all the time. I'm horrible with that, so. But yeah, so if your pastor can try and fail and then make it up, you can certainly do the same thing. Feel free to come up to me anytime when we're between now and Easter and try to quote this. So it, it is a very important thing. And, it, and the reason we're doing this because it's all about the journey to the cross. Even though we look at the cross of Christ and we see all the pictures where Jesus is hung on that cross for the salvation of our sins, that's a wonderful thing. But we also have to remember it's also a call to us to be like Jesus and to die to ourselves, be crucified with Christ and let him live in us. And we're gonna get into that a little bit today. In fact, if you read your devotional this morning, and I hope some of you did, you might've read the verse that we're gonna focus on, and it's only one verse, and you you might be thinking, did Jesus really say that? I mean, that one, this one seems a little challenging. This one seems like it's a little difficult. Uh, And when you look at the Sermon on the Mount, there's a lot of those verses that are difficult. But this is one that's given a lot of people problems, and I'd love for us to grapple with it. So the verse I'm talking about is Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. We're going to put it on the screen, and let's read it together because it's one verse and it's short. It's not very long. So let's read this together. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Dear Heavenly Father, help us to grapple with this very challenging verse. I think we naturally recoil when we hear the words, be perfect, because we know none of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. We all fall short. We all fail. But help us to understand what Jesus, the great teacher, the great rabbi, the one who is our perfect sacrifice and savior, the Lord of all, the cornerstone, the solid rock, Help us to understand what he is saying and speaking to us in our lives. We know he's not trying to put anything too much on us because his burden is easy and his his burden is light. His yoke is easy, his burden is light. And we know that you have a plan for us. And if you've told us to be perfect, somehow you've provided a way for us to do that. Help us to understand the words of Jesus today and we will praise you forever. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, this verse, like I said, has caused a lot of debate over the years. And I don't get into reading too much on theology or theologians, but because I'm a pastor, I have to. And so obviously there's a lot of different discussions about this verse. I've read some scholars who will say, well, Jesus really didn't say these words. They believe that when, you know, one of the, one of the scribes that was re, they didn't have printing presses back in the Bible days. So they would have scribes that would copy the words and, and make multiple copies. And some people, some scholars believe there was just an overzealous scribe that 
threw this into the Sermon on the Mount just to kind of raise the bar in people's life. I don't believe that for a second. I believe God's word is is spirit-breathed. I believe that God's word is true. And if the word says Jesus said it, he said it. And then there's other scholars who will say, well, Jesus was really talking when he said be perfect. He's talking about an ideal that we really can't experience in this life. But eventually, we will experience it in heaven. So essentially, this, this verse in some scholars' opinions is not a present reality, but a future hope. I don't believe that either. Once again, I'm not good with my verb tenses. You saw that last week. But Jesus isn't talking about, I want you to be perfect or anything like that. He's not talking about the future. He says, be perfect today, here and now. It's actually not the future tense. It's the imperative tense. So it's really a command. So this is not optional equipment. This isn't like, hey, if you feel like it today, be perfect. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, be perfect, therefore, just like my Father in heavens is perfect. And so that's hard for us to understand. So the question I want us to think about today is, what does Jesus really mean in this verse? What is he talking about when he says, be perfect? Let's start with what Jesus is not talking about, what he did not mean. And most scholars do agree on this, but you can, we've got some clues, and I'm gonna show you a couple clues today where you look at the original language, you look at the context, and you look at the overall theme of Jesus's message, you will see a little bit of what he means and what he doesn't mean. Here's what he doesn't mean. Jesus is not talking about perfect performance or flawless behavior the way our world defines perfection. You see, I showed you guys last week, I could not even quote our memory verse perfectly. I, have, I did not do a perfect performance. That's not what Jesus is talking about in this verse. So the question is, what is he talking about? And the first clue that we have is looking at the original language, the Greek language. I don't speak Greek, I, don't, I barely can speak English, so, but there's different resources we have, and when you look at the original language, you'll start to get a glimpse of what Jesus was talking about. In fact, I, one theologian I do like is uh, John Wesley, who did a sermon on Christian perfection. And one of the things he talks about in that sermon is this idea of perfection, Christian perfection. And he says that to be perfect does not mean you are perfect in knowledge. I think I demonstrated that last week when I misquoted the scripture. I'm not perfect in knowledge. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He doesn't mean you will be free from mistakes. I think I've made mistakes, probably five of them this morning before I even got to church. So that's not what he's talking about either. He doesn't mean you're gonna be perfectly free from infirmities. We just heard all the prayer requests. We know we have sickness, we have health issues. That's not what he's talking about either. To be perfect does not mean that you are free from temptation. I wish I could tell you maybe once you reach a certain age that you won't be tempted anymore, but that's not the case. I remember talking to my grandfather who was in his 90s, and I asked him, I said, Grandpa, do you still face temptation? And he told me, yeah, I do, but the difference is, what you do when you face it. Jesus faced temptation, but he did not give into it. And that's the key. We will face temptation, 
That's not what perfect is talking about, but we don't have to give in to that temptation. So when you look at the original Greek language, when you look at the scripture that Jesus tells us, we start to see what Jesus really did mean. And the first thing is, perfection is fulfilling God's purpose in me. Perfection is fulfilling God's purpose in me. I told you the Greek word here is teleos. Can you say that? I kind of like that word. Teleos, not television, which, you know, some of us watch a little too much, but teleos, teleos. It is the Greek word that means to complete, to fulfill, to accomplish, to make mature. In fact, you'll remember when Jesus was on the cross and he screamed out, it is finished. The root word of that phrase, which was te telestai, was teleos. And what Jesus was saying was, my redemptive work is finished. Not Jesus is finished, but everything you needed for salvation was accomplished on that cross. And he said, it is finished, mission complete, it's done, it's accomplished. And we see that is something that we see Jesus is communicating to us. We need to be complete, to be fulfilled, to be accomplished, to be mature in Christ. That's some of the things he's communicating with that verse, be perfect. In fact, Jesus calls us to that same perfection, to be complete, to be accomplished for God's purpose in our life. A life that is perfect is totally devoted to Christ. He's your cornerstone. When the storms of life come, he's who you stand on. Jesus to the right, Jesus to the left, Jesus in front of me, Jesus is everything to me. That is a life that is perfect because that's what God has called us to do. That is our purpose, to be so in Christ that people see Christ in us. When I was in college, I had a green Buick station wagon. It was old, it was a little rusted, there was a lot of dents, and there were bumps and scratches, it, was, it certainly wasn't a chick magnet by any means. I think Sherry was very, very embarrassed whenever she had to ride in this car. It was certainly not as cool as a GTO, Dan. I wish it was a GTO, but it was a Buick Green station wagon. We called it the pickle, the pickle. That's what we called it. And it looked just like this. A lot of my friends called it a grocery getter. And uh, it was fun because it, that car got me from Olivet, which is in Bourbonnet, Illinois, all the way down to Peoria, Illinois. And occasionally, it would even get me from Illinois to Michigan when I went home to see my parents. That car got me back and forth between all of those states. I did a youth internship where I was a youth pastor during the summer in Peoria. And that car, because it was a station wagon, we would load up that car with teenagers. We didn't have a, t- a, va- a church van or anything. So that became our church van. And that car, we loaded up with teenagers. We did youth activities. I even took Sherry out on dates in that car. She was embarrassed, I know. It was kind of ugly. But it was, it was my vehicle, and it was all I could afford. And I want to propose to you that that car was perfect. And you might say, what? How can the pickle be perfect? I mean, think of all the scratches, all the dents, all the rust, 
all of that stuff, how, I mean, compared to a new GTO or a Tesla or some kind of really cool car, the pickle's not perfect. But in the eyes of Telios, that car was perfect. Because you know why that car was created? To go get groceries. To transport, transport people from point A to point B. Bourbon A to Peoria to Michigan. That car was built to transport groups of people, not just one person. I could load up a teen group in there. That's what the purpose of that car is. Did it have dents? Did it have rust? Did it have flaws? Absolutely. But that car perfectly fulfilled its mission. The pickle was perfect because it fulfilled its created mission. Here's where it applies to your life. Regardless of the scars in your life, the scratches, the dents, the rust, the failures. You are perfect because you are living your life completely for Jesus. He takes the broken and makes it whole. He takes the ashes and makes it beautiful. He takes the pickle and makes it perfect. That's what Jesus is calling us in the scripture. Be perfect, therefore, as my heavenly Father is perfect. The second thing is, perfection means Jesus is calling me to perfect love. Perfect love. So, Greek language, not an expert, but I have resources so I can look up words like teleos and see what they really mean. But another thing, whenever you're interpreting scripture, I learned this in Bible college. I had a teacher who would say, if you see a verse like this, where there's a therefore in this, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. The Bible teacher told me, and I never forgot it, so it was a pretty good lesson. You've got to ask yourself the question, what's the therefore, therefore? See, aren't you glad you have a pastor who has that kind of brilliant insight into it? What's the therefore, therefore? But it is brilliant when you think about it, because the way we interpret scripture is to look at the context. What did Jesus say before this? What did Jesus say after it? And so, because Jesus says, therefore, we need to look at some verses before this verse to see what Jesus was really saying. If you look at verse 43 through 45, and we actually alluded to this in Sunday school class today, Larry. Once again, Holy Spirit does those kinds of things. But look at what Jesus says before we get to verse 48. He says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. So when you look at that and this command to be perfect, the context of that command is love. Love specifically for your enemies. It's easy for me to love all of you in this church. I love you guys because you're great. You're here on Sunday. I get to know your families. You guys are easy to love. But how about that coworker who stabs you in the back, who's always vying for a position higher than you, who betrays you to your manager or your boss? That person's a little harder to love, but that's what Jesus tells us. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. In fact, when you look at what Jesus said before this verse and then put it with verse 48, 
according to Jesus, there's this direct link of being perfect in his mind to loving your enemies. And that is really a benchmark of every true believer. You can say you're a Christian. You can have the the Jesus fish on your car. You can say, follow me to church. You can do all of those things, the little bracelet, what would Jesus do? And that's great. But if you're not loving your neighbor, your brother, if you're not loving your enemy, are you truly a Christian? They will know you are my disciples if you love one another. So you can say that you're a Christian, but if you're harboring bitterness, resentment against someone, then your actions contradict your words. And I think that's what Jesus is encouraging us. He's saying, hey, be perfect. That purpose that God has called you to be a disciple of Christ, to be a follower of Christ, be perfect in that regard, but also be perfect in your love to other people, even when it's difficult, even when it's hard to love that person. Last night, we, I said we got to watch a movie, and it was called I Can Only Imagine. You guys all know that song. It's a beautiful song about heaven. But the movie was the story behind the song. And what was so eye-opening to me, if you've never seen the movie, I give it two thumbs up. If you remember Siskel and Ebert, I'm old enough too. Two thumbs up. It was good. But the reason that movie, he wrote that song, Bart Millard, was because he had this horrible relationship with his father. His father beat him. His father was abusive. His father was an enemy in his life. And somehow, God broke through that hate, that pain of all those years, and love just bloomed in the life of that father and son. Sadly, the father had cancer and he passed away. And in mourning, as he thought about his father, who God had literally transformed from this abusive, cruel father into this loving, godly man. He just started to imagine what it must have been like with his father walked into heaven for the very first time. But that is what being perfect is. Somehow finding the way to forgive someone that's hurt you. There's so many times And I know it's easy for me to say if I'm not in your situation, well, you don't know what this person has done to me. You don't know the pain I've suffered, and I know I don't, but I know one who does, Jesus. And do you know what he said on the cross other than it is finished? He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He said that regarding and pointing to his enemies, those Roman soldiers who were beating him, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. God calls us to love everyone and including our enemies. I love the story of Corrie ten Boom. You probably know her. She wrote The Hiding Place. You know the story. Her and her family hid Jews in their house during the Nazi invasion. And because of that, they were captured and they were put into a concentration camp. Corrie ten Boom watched many of her family members, including her sister, die at the hands of the Nazi guards. Tragic story, but God preserved her, kept her safe. And she has an incredible story to tell. I'll never forget reading reading this little account here where one of the the Nazi soldiers who who was directly responsible for the death of some of her family members came to her and asked for forgiveness. Now, if there's ever a situation where you're like, 
I'm not gonna forgive this guy. I'm not gonna love that enemy. This would be the situation. Look at what she said though. The moment that that soldier stepped in front of me and I recognized who it was, I felt great bitterness swelling in my heart. I remembered the sufferings of my dying sister, but I knew that the unforgiveness would do more harm to me than the guard's whip. So I cried out to the Lord, Lord God, I thank you for Romans 5.5. And that verse says, the love of God has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Thank you, Lord, that your love in me can do what I can not do. Amen to that. There is no way I could love a Nazi guard who killed my sister. Thank you, Lord, for your love that can do what I cannot do. I was not able, but Jesus in me was able to do it. You never touch so much the ocean of God's love as when you love your enemies. And like I said, I don't think you're ever more like Christ when you love your enemies. Be perfect in love. Be perfect in love. We sang about it today. When we love our enemies, we truly become like Christ because we see that's what he did even as he died on the cross. Final thing, perfection is only, and I emphasize that word only, possible through God's power. Through God's power. You know this verse, another red letter verse that we see in the Bible. Acts chapter one, verse eight. This is the very last thing Jesus said to his disciples before he ascended into heaven. So anytime it's the last thing, you, you know it's pretty important. Hey, if you forget everything else, remember this. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The only power we have to be perfect comes through the Holy Spirit. We can't produce it on our own. If you look at the Greek word for power, it's dunamis, where we get our word dynamite. That's powerful power, dynamite power. And even the word witness means martus in Greek, which is a, a martyr, someone who yields their life to a cause. And so what Jesus is saying, you will receive dynamite power when the Holy Spirit comes on to you to be that person sold out, died out, crucified with Christ so that you can be my witness throughout all the world. That's what Jesus was saying his, to his disciples. He was trying to let them know it's not by their strength, their might, but by my spirit only. My spirit, says the Lord. I love that verse that, that Corey Temboon quoted. Hope does not put to shame, but God's love, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God's Holy Spirit pours that into you so that you can love your enemies. You can love that person that's hurt you. That you can love that person that you frankly might not like, but you can love them through the love of Christ because of what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. And the key is perfection, especially Christian perfection, requires that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. 
We cannot do it on our own. You see, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, that's when we really experience victory over sin. That's where we really experience that God is working in us so that we can live a life victorious. Those bondage and chains of sin are gone. I have seen lives transformed just like that movie last night from an abusive father to a loving father. That's what God does in our life when we are filled with his Holy Spirit. We are, can have victory over sin. That's the message of Easter. When Jesus walked out of that grave, he was saying he was victorious over death, hell, sin, and the grave. That's the kind of resurrection power we can have in our life. I think one of the greatest tragedies I see in the church today is that there's a lot of people who love Jesus who are trying to live a perfect life, a life of holiness, and they're trying to do it on their own ability and their own strength. Can I tell you that will fail every time? I've tried to do it. I've tried to be that legalistic kid that, you know, did everything right, didn't do anything wrong, and you will fail miserably. But if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, if Christ is living in you, that's when he gives you the victory in Jesus Christ. We talk about entire sanctification, where we completely surrender to God. And when you completely surrender, and this seems like a paradox, when you completely surrender to God, that's when you get total victory in your life. We talk about how you might come to the altar and you lay that unknown bundle, that unknown bundle of your life, your past, your present, but also your future, your hopes, your dreams. And you say, Lord, I give my entire life to you. I am yours. I surrender all. And that's what Jesus is really talking about when we talk about perfection. It's not to be perfect in quoting your memory verse. It's not to be perfect in everything that you do and say in flawless behavior. It's to be perfect in the purpose God has called you, to be his follower, to be his child, to be totally, completely yielded to him. If you've never done that, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day where you can say, Lord, you've saved me from my sins. Thank you for forgiving me. That's what the cross is all about. But I wanna take that next step. I wanna give you my entire life, my past, my present, my future. It's all yours because I wanna do what you've called me to do. I wanna be perfect in the purpose you have for my life. That's what I wanna do. And the key is, is that we don't do it on our own. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, 24. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, not part of your spirit, not most of your spirit, your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Ed Simons doesn't have to do it. You don't have to do it. God will do it in you. Just like salvation is by grace through faith, sanctification is by grace through faith. It's something he does in our life. And when we let that happen, we can not only quote this verse perfectly, all the prepositions, ands, ofs, and even the proper verb tenses, but most of all, we can live this verse 
out in our life. Not by what we've done, but what God is doing in us. Let's quote this verse together or say this verse together just to kind of close out our service today. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And I want us to close this service. In fact, I'll ask the praise team to come up and there's an old hymn, kind of like holiness unto the Lord. I'm going, I'm going back retro today. But I love this hymn, I Surrender All, because it totally captures the whole idea of what Christ is talking about with being perfect. We can't be perfect on our own. We are imperfect. But when we surrender all to him, and we are filled with his Holy Spirit, through his power, through his grace, he does a perfect work in us. And we can be perfect in the eyes of our Lord. And that's something that should make us happy, joyful. That is a blessing because we don't have to live this Christian life on our own. We can live it in the power of the Holy Spirit. I invite you to stand. We're gonna sing this song together, just a couple of the verses. And as we sing, I want you to know this altar's open. Feel free to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. If he's telling you to come up and just lay a burden down at the foot of the cross, he is here. If he's telling you to come up and lay your future, your hopes, your dreams, everything that you hope to become, this altar's open, he's here. But most of all, don't try to live this life on your own. You'll fail. Take it from me, I've done that. Rely on him, surrender all to him, be crucified with Christ and let him live in you.